don't assume that you have to know everything because those are the people who don't make it in this industry. Like if you don't ask questions or if you're not sure about something, don't think that you just have to go deal with it and take care of it yourself. Like ask, it's better that you ask. Yeah. Hey, uh, hold up, man. I, I got something to say, man. Wait. What y'all out here for, man? What you here for, huh? Does your life matter? Does your life matter? Alrighty. Well, welcome everybody. This is Brian Dare with Workshop, the podcast to build great careers. And we're so glad to be with Joshua, Joshua Copeland here. Joshua Copeland is one of our grads, our alumni from the Colorado Home Building Academy. And he was a chef and is now working for Taylor Morrison, which is a national home builder. And you're going to hear all about his story in just a moment, but we were really proud of Joshua for a lot of reasons. He's got some great goals and dreams that you'll hear about. But then also he was uh, nationally recognized with CNBC, did a piece on our school in Oakwood Homes and some of the stories that uh, are around COVID and individuals looking for new careers and his story was featured there. So Joshua, it's so great to have you. Thank you so much for joining us today and to take some time with us. Cool, cool. Thank you for having me. This is uh, exciting. It's kind of cool. Yeah, thank you so much, Joshua. So let me start off this way. Tell us a little bit about your career background. What have you done with most of your career journey thus far? What does it look like? And then what were the recent events that led up to a career change? So since I was uh, since I was able to work, I worked in food service of some kind. I think my very first job was uh, Taco Bell. Um, then I moved over to grocery for a little while, and then I jumped into restaurants, and I really liked restaurants, so I stuck with that um, for a while, uh, mainly on the front end as a server. Um, uh, so and then eventually, I don't know how many years down the line maybe eight or nine years of jumping around, trying all different kinds of stuff. Uh, I eventually uh, came upon culinary school. Actually, it was a commercial for the culinary school that kind of like grabbed my attention. Um, so I, uh, I think that was in 2007. Uh, so graduated from uh, Culinary uh, Arts Institute of Houston uh, in 2009. Uh, from there, I worked at a few restaurants um, tried to, I was always, always had like an entrepreneurial spirit. So I'm very, um, you know, quick to try and do my own thing. And so I, I did that a lot with catering, um, and food service, uh, just trying to, cause you know, after I worked for a few companies, you kind of see like their methods and you see how, what it takes yeah. to set up. And then sometimes I see their invoices sitting around and it's like, wait, they're paying you that much to do this. And so, so, uh, so yeah, so I definitely did some things on my own. Um, you had a, you did some catering, uh, catering business as well. Yeah. yeah, I did catering, personal chef. I tried all kinds of, you know, angles that was always like trying to find my way and like find my, what was my niche, you know? Right. Um, so, um, that kind of went on for a few years. Uh, eventually, I started getting involved with um, uh, Lakewood Church back in Houston, uh, and it got me to, um, we went on a missions trip to Belize, and uh, during the trip, I was basically offered a, a job um, as a, <clears throat> excuse me, as a head chef at a resort uh, down there. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, so I, you know, took a while to really meditate on that, and then eventually, did end up moving down there for, I think, like seven months. The uh, it's That's a whole story in and of itself. But basically, the person that I ended up working for was not very trustworthy and honored. Oh, you know, so it just, you know, and like, basically, he was withholding things that I needed to be, you know, like to have my visa and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and so he, but he, he shouldn't have been doing it. It was like a very illegal way that he did it. So I ended up leaving and, and trying to get a job down there was just a whole other thing. But I uh, eventually ended up moving back to Houston. And uh, I just had this feeling I was supposed to go to Colorado when I came back from Belize and I didn't do it. So, um, so I felt like I kind of struggled for those next two or three years that I was there. 
Um, and then it just kind of everything kind of came to a head where it was like, I need to make a move. Something needs to change. And so, you know, Colorado came back up uh, to my, my mind. And so um, I moved up here, moved and stayed on a friend's couch, um, worked a few restaurants here and there. Um, <clears throat> just, you know, it, it's challenging not having like a vehicle and stuff. So, you know, when you're relying on public transportation, like the timing of the jobs got to be right. You know, in restaurants, it can be late, late night or, you know, super early in the morning. And so, um, so yeah, so, you know, the last job that I had before the pandemic, I felt like I had found a good spot. Like the timing was right. It was a great job where I got to, um, they really let me kind of just do my own thing. I was in charge of the salad bar. Um, but I was also, it, it's, it's also had like a small buffet attached to it as well. It's pretty fancy little uh, spot that we were at. Like we were just doing the uh, lunch, breakfast and lunch for a company Spectrum, I think. We're doing, okay. uh, we're, yeah. So the company I worked for that we had a contract with them basically. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so like yeah, that's kind of office building or something. Like, it was like a corporate office building or something like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Big corporate office building. Uh, yeah. The thing about them is that they're a tech company. So like when everything happened, they were already ready to work from home basically. Right. So. <laughs> so they, so yes, they left the building. Yeah. As soon as they started shutting, slowly shutting things down, um, really when they shut down the salad or shut down bars. So any kind of salad bars, buffets or anything like that, they shut those down. Uh, yeah. That's when I got talked to about, you know, we're going to have to, it was like a temporary layoff or something like that. So, um, so that's what kind of got me in the pandemic situation. And then um, not too long after that, uh, my friend who's my, the friend whose couches I was staying on, he, uh, he gets really sick. And uh, within, he goes to the hospital. Um, he actually had, he has the auto uh, immune deficiency or whatever. And they still didn't test him for COVID, even though he had all the COVID symptoms um, because of his age. And this is the time. So this is at the beginning, right, right before we had the big shutdown. So they, yeah, so they were only giving tests out. If you remember, they were only giving tests to people who were at the at-risk age. I remember that. They were much more limited and they weren't testing nearly as many people because there wasn't a lot of tests to go around yet at that point. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So they, they basically just told them that, he had some type of virus. Like they just, they never, they didn't want to call it COVID, but they told him to quarantine for two weeks anyway. So I think the second day that he's home, that's when I, I got the symptoms. But the only symptoms I got was my, my, my nodes, I guess that's what those are called. Uh, they were tingling, like kind of weird. And then I started feeling like I was going to catch a cold. And so I went to the store to go to the liquor store, actually to go get like some whiskey and make like a hot toddy. Yeah, and yeah. then uh, I made the whole drink and everything and uh, drank it. And I thought something was wrong with the whiskey because I couldn't taste the, okay. I couldn't taste anything. Um, so, yeah, so that's. That's, that's when you know that you've part. lost your, when you're not tasting whiskey. <laughs> yeah. And then I, I started realizing that I wasn't smelling things like normal, like that would smell, like I normally would smell. And it was like, okay, this is gone and I started looking it up and, and then my mom's a nurse also and I spoke to her about it and she was just like yeah that's a COVID symptom you probably mm-hmm. have it and uh the kicker though was I didn't you know I thought it would just be like you know with a cold it would pass in two or three weeks and I'd get my senses back which I think I just got it back like maybe I'm like I'm I would say I'm probably like 98 percent um still not all the way there yeah. Yeah, I'm still not all 100% there, but it's it, it was a big noticeable difference like after 8 months. Yeah. So um oh, man, yeah, wow. So I've heard that sometimes they can really drag out some of those symptoms. Yeah, and then yeah, and it's a lot of different it's just virus is so crazy because there's just so many different things that um there's just so many, you know, it can be symptomatic, asymptomatic. Uh, right. Right. You know, it's just and just yeah. all the symptoms can be different, you know, and it's like and even and that's um, with me and my the my friend I was staying with. That wasn't the first time that two people who stayed together, like somebody famous in like New York, I don't know if it was like a governor or a mayor or something, uh, but one there was a husband and a wife, and like I think the husband got sick, but the wife only had her sense of taste and smell go away. 
So it's just, mm-hmm. so, and it's like a common, that's a weird like thread, but like, I'm not the first that that's happened to basically. So yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. You hear that a lot. You hear the people in the same household, dramatically different symptoms. They might have the same exact disease. You know, one person barely experiences anything or doesn't really experience anything. They get tested positive and they got other people, you know, it can be on the brink of death. You know, it just is really, is, is, is really crazy, crazy virus for sure. Yeah. So to finish answering the question, so, um, so after I had finished, you know, you know, getting better, I tried to apply to a few places at first, and then it was just, you know, once they started shutting everything down, and it was only essential workers, uh, it just got really tough to find anything. Um, I kind of, at first, my I thought my job was well. They had some kind of like thing set up to where. Uh, we signed up for it. Uh, we signed up as to be a part of like the job opportunities, like whenever they come through. I think you sign up for it before you actually get hired. So I was still getting correspondence from them, basically uh, saying that they had jobs, you know, that could be in the medical field and this, that, and the other. And it was like, okay, cool. And uh, yeah, I just never heard back from any of my bosses at all about that, man. Oh man. Yeah. And so uh, yeah. Just, go ahead. I was going to say that is tough. You mentioned essential careers. I, I've heard from, we've, we've actually heard from quite a few people mm-hmm. in some kind of food and beverage or hospitality industry job moving into construction. We've seen quite a migration. In fact, it started before COVID, really. Mm-hmm. People looking for opportunity that were in that industry that maybe just kind of reached a dead end or just didn't get where they were hoping to go. And what I heard over and over again when the when the COVID shutdown happened was, I thought being in the food and beverage industry or in the hospitality industry, I was, it's, it should be easy to find a job They'll, I mean, people will always need to eat and there always will be jobs available and opportunity. There it was one of the few industries that people never could imagine it like shutting down or just emptying out like it did. Yeah. Um, so it was crazy, crazy times for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I just think back, uh, sometimes you got to be grateful that your plans don't succeed because, you know, before I, I had left for um, for Colorado, I was really pushing to have like my own like catering thing again. And, you know, I really was trying to make that really successful. I had a couple of events and um, yeah, but if I had stayed at home, oh, especially if I had stayed at home, that would have been a whole other problem because Houston's been crazy with the whole virus and everything and i'm actually nervous because i'm going down there because my sister's getting married uh thanksgiving weekend okay (laughs) but um but yeah um did i answer your question sorry yeah that did that was really helpful so you're in the you're in the middle of well there's a lot of really interesting things in your story up to that point when COVID hit was you know it sounds like the the, the chef career that you had took you a lot of different places and a lot of different uh, experiences and, and having that experience with starting up a business and having that entrepreneurial spirit. And so there was a lot of opportunity that was there. And, um, and, but then when you, when you encounter this situation that we're still in really, I mean, you know, restaurants have opened back up to some degree and, Sometimes people are, are, are getting out and, and actually and actually enjoying dining out to some extent, but we're looking at the potential for another shutdown right now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, I've heard about like restaurant owners, for example, they're like, we can't pay our bills at 25% capacity. And you know, that's what they're looking at right now already for before a second shutdown. It's just, it's become this just roller coaster ride. And my understanding is a lot of times that industry, most restaurants are kind of on the bleeding edge, you know, even before COVID, like they, they, they push the budget tight and, uh, you know, that's, what's that? I said, especially the higher end places there. Yeah. You would think that they charge so much on their price, on their food, you know, uh, you know, I've worked at like, you know, nice steakhouses and, you know, you, you, you think you're paying 50 bucks for a tenderloin, uh, and you, you know, and like it, it costs the restaurant maybe six or seven bucks for that piece of meat. 
But mm-hmm. you have to think about the ambiance and the atmosphere and the bills and the, you know, you're paying higher end chefs. You're not just paying, you know, some Joe Joe below off the street most of the time to cook right. steaks. So, yeah, yeah. Um, it's crazy, you know. And I actually I used to work at a restaurant in Union Station, um, Mercantile, and uh, I went. Uh, I after everything started kind of opening back up, I went up there to go visit some people, just to go, you know, have some food and, and a drink and just you know see how things were going and. Pretty much everybody that I talked to that worked in there, they're just like, man, I, I think I'm going to have to get into something else. Because uh, what they were doing was instead of the, like, so the servers, for example, instead of them getting, you know, their tips like normal, there was some coalition or something that they put together to help like businesses like that open back up for the, you know, reopening. And they set the the wait- waiters like wages to like a certain amount. So Regardless oh, if I left them way. 20 bucks, it was going to be this, they're going to get the same thing regardless. So it's like, that's, that's just kind of stupid, but like pretty much all of them, the bartenders, and they used to do great uh, before, you know, this all happened. Um, but yeah, they were just all like, man, I think I need to get into something different. And I was mentioning that I was, you know, getting into real estate. I think this was before I got involved with the school and I was just like trying to start my own like real estate thing. Um, yeah. But um but yeah, like one other guy was like, I think I'm going to get into real estate. I need to do something else. It's, you know, it's mm-hmm. tough. And, you know, and you're, you know, like you said, it's 25% capacity. That's, that's not going to work, you know? Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, they're, they're hoping for that other 75% to cover the bills and everything else, you know? Yeah. So yeah, it's, uh, it, it's tough. I couldn't imagine trying to run any kind of restaurant, right? I mean, I, I see some opportunities like with the takeout part of it, mm-hmm. um, but even then, like, that's, that's a tough job to get right now, you know? Right. Even, you know, because you got employees, like, they're, they're already fighting for hours because they're not working the same, you know, capacity that they were working before. Um, yeah. So, yeah. It's tough. Yeah, no, I hear that. I hear that. It just seems like a tough gig all around, you know? And, mm-hmm. and, I, and I love, I mean, I, I don't go out to eat every night or anything like that, but I love, I love you know, dining out. And it's, it's a great, it's a wonderful experience. It's a big part of our culture. And mm-hmm. to uh, and just also when you have when you have a chef that you can tell puts a lot of thought into the food, it's it's a great it's a great career. It's a it's a yeah. meaningful job, but it is it is sad to see who knows what's going to happen to it. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you like to think it bounces. But right now it's in this very extended period of unknown. But uh, but anyway, so kind of let's uh, lead me through when when did you start thinking about construction and some of the possibilities there? Um, so that, that was just another ad that just came kind of across my face. I was in, I was, I, you know, like I said, I was trying to do, um, like a real estate, you know, business of, um, trying to get people to do lease options, uh, with their homes, uh, Mm -hmm. which would have been good in a normal market, but not in this crazy people, you know, outbidding people with crazy amounts with cash and all of this other crazy stuff that's going yeah, on. So yeah. it just didn't make sense. Um, so I, I think I hopped on Craigslist and uh, I was just looking for like, well, let me at least try to stay in real estate. Maybe I can find something that pays. Who knows, you know? So yeah, I think I've stumbled across the Colorado Home Building Academy and um, it was like, Okay, this is, you know, I've, I've always known that trades, you know, make pretty good, you know, decent amount of money, um, mm-hmm. you know, and this could maybe this could run along with the lines of the things that I want to do with my life. Um, the things I've, I, I had been thinking about, because that's when I had started thinking about building affordable housing and building yeah. communities yeah. and things of that nature. So it was just like, I love that. yeah, it's just like, dude, like I could this could probably help me with that somehow, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, then, you know, crazy how it ended up, <laughs> what it turned into ultimately. But like, um, you know, my whole initial thing was like, you know, I talked to, I talked to my dad about it at first, I think before I started, or I think when I started, but um, he's like, well, what kind of trades are there? And so I think I said, there's a carpenter, uh, you can do electrician. And he's like, stop right there be an electrician. Don't just don't do anything else except that. It was like, what? He's like, they, they make the, the best money out of all the trades typically. 
and they have to do like the least amount of work or something like that. <laughs> I don't know about all that, but I, I get it. I'm I not an electrician, so I can't speak to that, but right. I mean, it's not usually as much heavy lifting. <laughs> right. Yeah. They're not exactly like sweating it out too much. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you're not like guys hanging sheetrock and stuff. That's, that's right. a whole <laughs> right. Not concrete. Concrete's rough, but. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Those guys are artists with that. Like what I've seen so far. Oh like, man. Yeah. Yeah. And excavation, like that's another like art form, man. Like digging, you know, I'm from Texas. We don't really do basements in Texas. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right. Especially in Houston, freaking Bayou city. But uh, but to watch those guys like dig like with such precision, it's just it's just mind blowing. And like it just it just how fast stuff gets built. Like I've only been working at my job for maybe a month now, and I'm just seeing houses going up like so quick. Like is is crazy. Yeah, it's yeah. cool to be a part of though, for sure. It, that's that is cool. It is it is neat to see. It's just a cool experience to see how fast the houses go up. And the skill that some of the guys out there have been doing it for a long time, especially mm. um, just uh, it's just a, it's just a really cool thing. That's mm -hmm. good. So you came to our construction skills boot camp that we did in partnership with Taylor Morrison. We were actually out on a Taylor Morrison lot that mm -hmm. will one day be a home, we assume. And uh, we got a chance to to introduce you to some of the Taylor Morrison folks. And that's where you were first introduced to. A career opportunity there am i right yep uh first introduced to justin that was uh justin, been yeah. on here. there's actually a, a story with that because uh, i forgot i have to remember who told me to do this um but they mentioned the podcast and said oh if you're going to interview with justin you should watch the podcast then, <laughs> yeah he was on here yep yeah and then reference that you know in the interview and uh, I think I did, but it, I don't know if it if it worked. Well, I guess it worked. Ultimately, I work for him now. But <laughs> but, uh, but I don't know what kind of impact that made. I think it made him laugh a little sure. bit. I did, you know, but whatever. Um, but yeah, I, I met him. I think I met Dan that day too. Dan's my area manager now. Um, and uh, yeah, spoke to him there, and then. Uh, from there, we, uh, I think he gave me his card, told me to um, email him my resume, which was mm -hmm. all food. So I was just like feeling weird about that. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, now that I've been hired, one of the things that I think Dan has imparted to me that's really important to know is that, you know, his, his whole thing, I think we were talking about my experience and what he was saying was, is that he, he can teach me the technical stuff, but he can't teach me to care. And that's what my whole like process is about right now is, you know, and he's actually already told me that he can see it in me that I do care um, about like, you know, about the people, you know, the customers that yeah. we serve and everything. Yeah. So, uh, and that's a big part of this job, which I'm very like surprised, but it's also cool. Um, the, another thing that I've noticed too is that it, there's a there's a few parallels that I'm picking up between restaurant industry and construction, um, especially from my job standpoint. Because you know, to me, it's kind of like being like the GM of of a man of a restaurant. You know, because you're you're dealing with guests. Um, you know, like that's that's our homes. Like the homes are like tables. That's how I see it in my head. So every home is like a table that's being served and, uh, you know, you have to give them the best service because, you know, with our with, with Taylor Morrison, like I think we meet when once a person signs on dotted, dotted line for their plot, you know, with, as a superintendent, like we meet with them six times throughout the building process. The, so, the future know. homeowner that you're talking about? Right. Yeah. 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 So we, you know, we're there between us and sales. We're like kind of like their go-to point pretty much for mm -hmm. the whole process of the house being built. Um, so that pretty much reminds me of, you know, dealing with somebody in a, you know, serving them like a five course meal, three course meal. Four right. Course. Right. You know, like yeah. you're, you're there with them through the step of the process and then you have to scheduling is a big thing that I have to deal with. So that's, to me, that's also with waiting tables, like you have to like time everybody's when, when things come out and, you know, you can't have your appetizers come out too late or you can't have them come out before the entree. And it's, you know, you can't have window cleaners come 
if you know the screens have already put on. That's that's the kind of thing I'm learning now. So, um, but yeah, like I said, it's just those those parallels I keep seeing uh, between like the restaurant and it's really kind of making everything gel for me. Uh, yeah. So uh, so yeah, it's pretty cool. I love that. I mean, I love that you said that because I I find that because so we we work a lot with people who are looking at new careers in construction right. that are coming from a completely different industry that seems completely unlike construction. You know, you were in food. I have made major career changes myself. Mm. I did a podcast with a with a lawyer who mm. was going in. He went into construction management. Nice. And one of the things I find is people often underestimate the skills that they've already built up that are relevant to construction when it seems like when it seems like they don't know anything about construction when they first start into this journey. You know, and especially when I've talked with food and beverage industry, especially if they've ever been servers or anything like that, there's just a huge skill to being able to work with people in high pressure situations when they're potentially ticked off, you know, oh, yeah. all those yeah, kinds of things, oh, yeah. you know, that's just a real skill that can translate into so many things. And it's cool how you're seeing those parallels already in mm -hmm. your position. So right now you're in, in an internship working your way towards an assistant superintendent, ultimately to work towards being a superintendent. Do I have that right? Is that the kind of path? That's the, that seems to be the, the train, yeah. Because I don't think, because I, I think at the beginning they were talking about it being, I could be an assistant or a super, uh, but I think that it'll most likely be that other route just because there's a lot, um, there's a lot to grab and take in before you're like a super that's out there on your own, calling the yeah. shots and everything. Yeah. Um, you know, so, and, and, you know, Dan's the kind of guy that he's, you know, he's not like a micromanager when it comes to, um, you know, he's there to help. He's definitely, and he's like a very, very smart, like super smart guy. It was, it was kind yeah, of I got funny. a chance to meet him. He was a really encouraging guy. Yeah, yeah he, um, it's funny because uh, when we were shooting the, um, the CNBC thing, um, yeah. he, they used him in some of the B-roll, they call it. Uh, where it's not like any audio is just like, you know, shots of just doing random stuff. And right. so, uh, so we're walking around. And so it's like, so one of the, the, the camera guy, he's also directing everything. So he's like, you know, just, I guess, just pretend to like explain stuff to him on, you know, on some wall, some random wall. Yeah. And uh, man, he starts, so we're, he's, we get rolling and he starts going in. I mean, like technical, like, you know, this means this. And if this is off by this much, then that means this happens. And it's like, <laughs> so he's I'm, like, like you know, teaching you about the wall. <laughs> yeah, he's actually really teaching me about the wall. So that's like, <laughs> if, you, if you see that story, like it's though, when you see him and I like walking together, he is really like schooling me. But, <laughs> yeah, I was just like, you know, because if it was like just you and a normal like or a random person, you just be like blah 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 blah. You didn't actually like go into Talk about whatever. Yeah, no, yeah. he was. Yeah, it was crazy. That that part was cool. So, yeah. Well, that's that's really cool. So so uh, what is? Do you know? Generally speaking, of course, no one knows for sure. But what what kind of timeline might you be looking at? Uh, working through the the process. Uh, so um, I should know um, that I got the if I'm if I'm you know going to be an assistant by uh, December. Um, mm -hmm. That's oh, okay. That's coming up. It's coming up real fast then. Oh yeah, yeah, it was supposed to just be like three months, I think, or two or three months or something. Um, okay. And then um, I I feel like uh, I feel like I have it. Um, I've been having a lot of like positive check marks for what I, how I've been yeah. working and stuff so far from yeah. the superintendents I work under right now. So um, we all gel pretty well. We all pretty get pretty much get along pretty well. Um, and they've been giving me a lot of Taylor Morrison swag too. So I think that's a sign that I'll probably be loading <laughs> you up with stuff. Yeah, that's yeah, good. I, mean, I got like, I think they gave me uh, like two weeks worth of shirts. <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, I started off with three shirts and then it was like, hey, we got some more. Or I think they ordered me some shirts like these. Yeah. The first three I had were like, I guess, hand me downs, like temporaries. And then uh, 
yeah, they actually gave me a bunch of that and then like a nice jacket too. So I was like, there's no nice, nice. That's a good I mean, sign. That's a silly thing to go off of, but I mean, that's, right. that's a sign for me. <laughs> so right now it's not like it's basically kind of like a long interview and looking at, yeah. Essentially. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So you mentioned it briefly, but tell us a little bit about your long-term dream about low, low income housing that you were thinking about. Yeah. So, um, and, uh, I've been, so, uh, what I was looking at uh, at the time, I think when I told you about it before, was um, I was looking at doing like buildings, like big apartment buildings, um, mm -hmm. but using shipping containers as the homes. And uh, I, there's a guy that a uh, friend of mine, Sam Thompson, he owns, or he's a CEO of e-container e homes, I think is what it's called. But um, they, uh, they build, it's like basically a prefab manufacturer of, you know, units and they build these units out of shipping mm -hmm. containers and then you can put them together like Legos basically and just make them whatever you want them to be. Um, so they can, you can build apartment complexes. So that that's one way I was looking at doing that because one of the things is that we're lacking is that um, just as America in general is that we're not very frugal as far as uh, or efficient, that's the word I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. So we're not very efficient with how we deal with our money. Like, you know, the government has money, but sometimes they're not very efficient with how they get it out. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, the gap that I've seen is that there needs to be more homes that um, that take vouchers, basically, to take the home vouchers. And like, you know, the design of that program is not, you know, people hear vouchers in Section 8, they just think that people are freeloaders. And it's like, that's not necessarily true. Like people need that to to jump off and to to a place to where they can become successful, you know? Right, right. Um, Absolutely. So you don't have a place to live. It's I mean, it's really hard to do anything else. You know? Yeah, it's the it's the foundation of it, man. Like I, I've I've grown so much sympathy, especially sleeping on the couch for the last year. Like I've grown a lot of sympathy, or even more sympathy than I already had for like homeless. Um, you know, it's it's tough to to get anything going. You know, like you said, when you don't have a place, you don't have a secure place. Right. right. Um, you know, it, it can be really tough. So I think that's that's how we we help America get great. You know, basically. So. Um, so yeah, so that's that's one aspect that I have of it. And I also wanted to do, um, I think where I'll, where I'll start or where I want to start is like in spec building, doing mm -hmm. like some smaller, like maybe like some fourplexes, because um, we've also, Sam and I have also talked about uh, some design ideas on that. Um, it's just all about finding land really and just finding opportunities. I really would like to find some like investors that want to actually like get serious in doing it because mm -hmm. once they see how Sam builds and like the numbers he can build at, I think it would just be a huge opportunity because um, mm -hmm. you're not building as at the same cost of building a wood house, especially right now with like lumber shooting out of the roof right now, as far as pricing right. goes. Uh, I think Sam mostly he reinforces the, uh, the containers with steel. So, oh, wow. um, but yeah, so you know, and it makes them homes really secure. So that I would, I would really like to take it down to Texas, like those hurricane, you know, areas mm -hmm. that I, that are just prone. They're all like there's just some neighborhoods that's like is really risky to live in a neighborhood because sure. it's most yeah. likely going to flood. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right, uh, right. Yeah. It's just a matter of when. Just hanging on yeah, tight. It's going to flood. Matter, and it's some like I think the uh, Myerland area in Houston in particular is on my mind because. I had an uncle that used to live out there and it was like, man, I'm glad you finally got out of there, man. Cause it, it would just be like a little rain with all it take for those st streets to just flood up. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what Houston does. is just like flash flood. Sometimes it's not even yeah. about the hurricanes. It's just the, yep. you get a flash flood warning and it's like an hour <laughs> before the, before it hits. And then all of a sudden, yeah. 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 yeah it's nuts. So I, I don't miss that actually. I will say I mean, <laughs> the snow's a challenge up here, but I don't miss flooding, dude. Oh man, it's just so nerve-wracking the flood too, and then and then a lot of insurance companies don't cover it, and ugh, it can be, it can be a real mess. Well, that's I love what you're looking into. It sounds like there's all kinds of ideas and dreams in your head, and and I hope some of them come to fruition. I I love um, even just thinking about alternative ways to build. The housing industry doesn't evolve super quickly, 
Mm-hmm. Um, but they are that is happening where different builders are looking at alternative ways to build, cheaper ways to build, mm-hmm. ways to provide housing for a much more affordable fashion. I mean, we we feel the we feel the sting here in Denver. You're familiar. It just it's uh, it's so hard to find. I I I know I have friends that grew up here mm-hmm. who are moving out of state just to be able to afford a place. Because you know it's just really it's expensive. Um, and of course we've got a homeless issue for sure. That tent city's coming up here, and mm-hmm. um, you know, and and uh, it definitely is a is an issue to, to address for sure. Yeah. Um, that's great. That's good. So what, uh, tell us a little bit about uh, your experience. I want to talk about two things. Um, I want to talk about some of the positive things that have been a part of your career change. And a little bit, I'm also going to ask the question, what are some things you would, you would tell us that some folks getting into it that they need to know, some challenges that they'll need to be facing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but let's, let's start about what, what has been some, some kind of light bulb moments as you're getting into it. I guess... I, I think I'm seeing like a sense of like purpose in construction. Uh, there's just something cool about being on a site and like, I guess I'll say like this, like it's cool that I'm on both sides of it where I'm not just building the house or being a part of that, but I'm actually a part of the people who are moving into the house. Like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's cool to see the whole full circle thing. And then, you know, of course we got people, um, who are now moved in, who are homeowners and now who moved in to certain houses. And it's just like, I was just in your house like two weeks ago. Like it was just, it was a mess. Like, you know, it was a complete mess. Like you don't know how much work we have to do within those last yeah. weeks to make sure that, that house is presentable and ready to close. Yeah. Uh, but oh, it, it's kind of cool. Details, I'm sure. Yeah, it, it, it's cool. So um, yeah, that was definitely a, a big like light bulb moment too. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's good. As individuals are looking at, especially if they're in your situation where they're looking at a career shift, they're looking at a completely new industry. um, They're looking at construction in particular. What are some things you'd say, Hey, here's, here's some things to be aware of, to know, here's some things that maybe I wish I knew uh, going into it. Um, I think the big one for me, and I forgot which one of my coworkers kind of eased my mind on it. But um, it's just don't don't come in thinking that you have to know everything and do everything. Like, um, you know, I've been I was even told (laughs) I was even told, you know, don't there's no such thing as a dumb question. And, you know, as a guy who's been a a chef most his life and barely picked up a grill, you know, I'm you know, there's some basic stuff that's going to be real clueless like to me, like, you know, sure. I think we sure. were we were having a um, a meeting with a, a rep from this our, our siding company that we use, and uh, she started getting real technical. And there was just some stuff like I just kind of <laughs> go to my phone and like try to Google what she's doing. <laughs> look, what does she mean by that? Hey, what does that mean? And you know, sometimes oh, Google helps, and sometimes it doesn't at all. Dude, so <laughs> I ended up having to. Uh, <clears throat> Uh, well, then I, and then I ended up having to ask my coworkers and, you know, yeah. and like my coworkers are cool. They're not, you know, they understand my whole, you know, I'm not some guy that's been in the industry for a long time. So, right. you know, I think I've been in, I was in class for four weeks before I got here and I was like the most construction yeah. in my life, but, <laughs> right. you know, so, uh, but no, they've been very gracious and understanding. And so they, it has that's been good, good to, uh, just to have that, man. So I can just, you know, be like, well, what's, what's this kind of deal? What does that mean? Like, what's, mm-hmm. what is it frame? What's framing? Like, what is that? I don't understand. Or I forgot what, oh, flashing. Yeah. What, what's flashing? Yeah. Like, what's, what's, what is that? You know? And it's like, I'm, I'm not going to get a bunch of dumb looks at me, you know? So. Yeah, um, that's good. Yeah. So I'm glad um, to hear that. Yeah. It, it's been good. It's been real refreshing. It's um, yeah. So yeah, I would definitely say, you know, ask every question. And actually, I think Dan was the one that told me that the only people who don't, and this is more, maybe this is more superintendent specific, but I think it applies to all. But he was just saying, don't um, don't assume that you have to know everything because those are the people who don't make it in this industry. Like if you don't ask questions or if you're not sure about something, 
Don't think mm-hmm. that you just have to go deal with it and take care of it yourself. Like ask, it's better that you yeah. ask. Yeah, that's great. I, that's yeah. such good advice. And I think it was, I think it was Justin Johannes that said, you know, Taylor Morrison, we like clean slates, you know, because he's like, I might have somebody that's been in the industry for 25, 30 years and they may be good at what they do, but they do it a specific way. And if they, and, 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 it may, they may even have some habits maybe we don't like, but you, it's, you can't really, they've been doing it for decades. You know, it's hard to teach them out of any kind of bad habits or if they're not willing to flex and mold to the Taylor Morrison way to right. do things. And that can be really frustrating and be harder than teaching someone who's brand new. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I really think your encouragement there is important too, because I think sometimes, even if someone doesn't want to admit it, that's yeah. just the thing that's keeping them from, pursuing their goals and dreams or going into a new career because they know the first few days, weeks, maybe even the first couple of years is going to be stressful. They're going to feel like they don't know what they're doing. I've been in three very different industries and you know, Mm -hmm. you have some days, especially when you're starting out, you just feel downright dumb. You know, you feel like the only one who doesn't know what this thing is, you know? Um, And it's, 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 it's always mixed feelings. You know, it's, exciting and terrifying it's uncomfortable and it's 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 a rich and full experience you know but i think that um for people who are willing to make the shift or or, or somewhat forced into a position where they have to make a decision yeah. um and to and to take that to take that leap like you've done and to say hey i'm really going to go for it and I, I could tell right away even in training that you, you had you had goals and dreams and you had things you wanted to get after and i think that that's why I, that's why I thought that you would make a great candidate for Taylor Morrison, a great candidate for the news story for CNBC. And, and also I think you've got a really bright future ahead of you. And those first few days are unnerving sometimes. Um, and sometimes it keeps people from trying it at all. Um, yeah. But I'll tell you, just have bringing the right attitude to the job, bringing a good work ethic, bringing a willingness to learn, Matt, you've been in management, you know, that they know, they notice that that means a lot and they can pour all the skills and all the other stuff into a person who's open, ready to learn, ready to care. Mm -hmm. Um, And that just goes a long way. So if you're listening to the podcast and you're in that really scary, but exciting period of maybe looking at a career shift or maybe you've, you know, maybe you've been you maybe you've been, uh, you know, in this industry for a long time and you're forced into a position where you had to rethink it. Um, the safe thing maybe would be to try to go back to that. And that's an option, obviously, but I love you going after this, this opportunity and, and seeing where it takes you. And I, I really think it's going to take you far. Um, so yeah, I appreciate you sharing those thoughts, Joshua. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, any final words before we, before we break on this, Joshua? You know, with my situation, like a big part of it was that it just didn't make sense for me to try to go back into food service. Like it just didn't make sense. And so sometimes it's just it's just that that simple and that practical, you know, like, yeah, um, you know, you know, making those decisions are big decisions, you know, especially, you know, keep in mind that I'm a single guy. I have no kids, no family. Like it is super easy for me to, in that aspect, to just be like, you know what? I'm just going to jump careers and do something else. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, that's going to be a little bit more challenging for somebody who's got family and things like that behind them. So, you know, I say all that to say, just, you know, be very calculated about your decision, you know, as far as like making that move, if you want to make that move, uh, now saying that, you know, of course, make the movie, you never know what could happen. I I never thought in a billion years that I would have ever been on CNBC and I'd have a, a job at, at Taylor Morrison. Um, especially when I don't know, I think I think actually Justin, the guy who hired me, might have been the one that told me, um, or somebody else might have told me this. But they were just saying, you know, I, I had mentioned that I wanted to be a superintendent and they were saying, well, you know, usually, you know, they want you to work in a trade for about three or four years before you get into that aspect of it. And I, I took that as gospel, like, OK, well, I mean, I, I'll, I'll go, I'll just be an electrician for a while and then, you know, maybe eventually I'll do that. And then now I'm like on the, the 
the train to get there, you know, and it's, you know, I, I never thought that any of that would happen from just going, you know, to a Craigslist list ad and just going, right. oh, that looks like something, you know, that I can do. Um, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, so just don't, you know, have that, it's, it's like almost like childlike wonder where you just kind of like, well, I'll give that a shot. You know, I think I can do it. You know, mm-hmm. you just mm-hmm. don't, don't just put a limit on yourself. Like, there we go. You know, I, I've never been like that because um, I've, you know, my one of my big passions is music, actually. Like I produce music and I've done hip hop and nice. stuff like that. Um, nice. So, you know, I never try to limit myself and say I'm just a this. I'm just a musician. I'm just a chef. I'm just a whatever. You know, I'm not going to be just a superintendent. Like, you know, just be open to be anything. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, just be open to be anything. Don't. Don't limit yourself right. and say, well, I've always been in retail or, you know, regardless, of, and especially regardless of how you, much you've risen up the ladder, like that, it doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. Are you that right now? No, like do something else, you know? Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I, I and, and I'll also say that construction is looking really good and people are always going to need a, a place to live. Um, yeah. You know, and I mean, I know that the saying used to be that everybody, you know, needs some food. I mean, it's true, but now it's a whole different dynamic, you know. So, uh, sure. you know, sure. especially I think of like bartenders in particularly, like switch it up and do something else. I mean, it's just going to be it's just it's going to be a while before we can ever go back to normal. And then what's going to be normal when we go when it's all said and done, you know. Um, so, yeah. So I guess that's just like my, my last final thoughts and general yeah. encouragement, but yeah. Yeah. Well, that's perfect. Thank you so much. We're, I tell you what, we're proud to have you as an alumni and we're, we're proud to see where it's going for you already. And, uh, and we wish you of course the best of luck with Taylor Morrison or wherever your career takes you in the, the near future. And I think this interview is going to be a encouragement to a lot of people, especially individuals who might be in the food and beverage industry, the hospitality industry, that or any industry that feels like it's kind of, kind of falling apart right now because of COVID and looking for some opportunity and hope. Um, for those of you who are listening, if I can just give my little plug, we are training. We do the best we can to try to make it easy for you to get into a new career, to connect you with the right people that can take you to the next steps. And we've seen a lot of people who have lost their jobs or don't just don't know what to do next um, or their jobs have been whittled down to almost nothing because of uh, the the COVID-19 situation. And while that's a very, very bad situation and I feel um, very uh, challenged every day when I hear about people that have lost their livelihoods, especially people who have dedicated years and years to it. um, That is not an encouraging thing to hear. And I don't want to treat that situation lightly, but in the building industry, this has been a generations long industry problem where they don't have enough people to fill in all the opportunity that's there. Um, buildings continue to go up. They, they continue to go up in the middle of the shutdown. And uh, for far too long, people have ignored trade work, have ignored building opportunities as a good viable career path. And it's, an ind- it's become an industry problem but it's now an opportunity for those of you who are thinking about the opportunity building. It pays well and it's meaningful work. You're putting up either someone's home or a building that's gonna serve the community and you're gonna be able to look at it after the end of the project. I contributed to that building. It's pretty, it's pretty obvious um, what it is you did um, at the end of the day and at the end of the project. So anyway, again, Joshua, thank you so much for spending some time with us and uh, certainly wish you well. Um, and. You mentioned, you mentioned, so I wanted you to give a personal plug. You mentioned you work with music or whatever. Is there any place on the internet where people can find you or if they have questions and want to shoot you a question? Is there any place where they can find you? Uh, yeah, just Google me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but really, if you just Google my full name, uh, Joshua Paul Copeland, uh, it should pull up like my music links and stuff. And then um, I'm pretty responsive on my uh, Instagram DM if you're about the yeah. Instagram life. I don't really do uh, Facebook anymore. And I took a, yeah. I took the Facebook app off my phone and it was like the best thing I ever did with my life. <laughs> <laughs> I feel it. I'm so serious, yeah. man. Like it, it, it shows you 
how much those notifications, like how much they want you to be on that app. Like they just send you all these <laughs> notifications that have nothing to do with you. Like nothing to do with me. Like it'll like it, it's just it's just nuts. But um, yeah. but yeah, so I don't really use Facebook, even though I think my profile is still active. I but yeah, I'm not really on there. Um, but yeah, just yeah, just Google my full name and it should pull yeah. up. Joshua Paul Copeland, because Joshua Paul some Copeland. Reason, there's some doppelganger that is named Joshua Copeland. Um, who was on BET's like some like gospel scene contest? Okay, okay. And, uh, and dude, kind of looks like me. He's my same age, but it's not me. <laughs> okay. And I mean, I've been I've gotten like a few DMs from people like, "Hey, good job on the show last week." I'm like, <laughs> and my mom had to break it down to me. She's like, "Do you know somebody named you too?" Like, <laughs> no, he looks just like he has bald head. He's black. Really? <laughs> what are the odds, man? <laughs> so oh, that's funny. That's funny. Yeah. So Joshua Paul Copeland. Joshua Paul Copeland. All right. Good deal. We'll look on the internet for Joshua Paul Copeland. Hope some more people find you. That's yeah. cool. Again, thank you so much for spending some time here today. I really appreciate yeah, it. I appreciate it. All right. You have a great evening. We'll catch you later. Right. Take it easy. Well, I hope you found Joshua Copeland's story both inspiring and helpful to you. I know there's a lot of you out there, especially coming from the food and beverage industry, who have suddenly found yourself out of work. Some of you have dedicated years, decades of time and talent to this industry. And I got to tell you, it pains me to see uh, what's happening there. And, and I hope that after all this is finally over, that that industry is rebuilt. But for some of you out there, you might find this as an opportunity to go into something new, something different, something where you can use some of the same skills you built in a completely different industry into the construction industry and find a, a healthy paycheck, a long-term career future in this. And if we can help you do that, we'd love to be a part of that. Feel free to contact me directly at 303-358-4409 or my email, brian, B-R-I-A-N, at cohomebuildingacademy.org. Until next time, you guys have a wonderful day.